If you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. Hey, John, can you cover the speed freak killers for me? This devious duo get hopped up on crystal meth, kill more than 72 people, and dump their bodies down some central California mine shafts. One particular victim I remember vividly as her pictures were posted on billboards for years around where I live. I actually had vivid nightmares at the time about some of the recoveries of the victims from the local well. I've never forgotten it. Cara. All right, hold on a second. Ah, That's some good shit right there. Let's do this thing. Build a meth lab. Come on, let's go and cook. I never see you anymore. Come out the door. Let's make our product by the book. We'll make lots of money. Just you and me. We'll stack the cash up high. Do you want to build a meth lab? A rolling RV meth lab. Away, Mr. White. Just one try. All right, guys, that right there is Do You Want to Build a Meth Lab? The Breaking Bad and Frozen parody mashup on YouTube by Animeme. You can find that there. A lot of you guys probably watched Breaking Bad before, and so I thought that'd be fitting with tonight's episode. So without further ado, let's get started. Thanks for everyone who came out to our Asheville show. Yes, it was a great time. We had... So much fun with y'all and had delicious beer. Mm-hmm. Very delicious. Well, I want to say welcome to our newest Taco Supremo, Rowan. Hey, Rowan. Rowan. And Rowan's from... I want to say... Wisconsin. Wisconsin. She's a truck driver. I know she said she's driven a lot through the Dakotas. I bet there's some weird shit out there. Oh, yeah. Especially for a truck driver. There's a lot of female truck drivers lately. Yeah, I didn't um, didn't know that that was a growing female field. That's pretty cool. They make a lot of money. Really? Yeah. I'd be really scared to drive one, honestly. Why? Because it's so big. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My grandfather was a truck driver. (gasps) Yeah, he was. Made me too nervous. He was a truck driver. He was, and actually, (laughs) apparently, so he worked for a few different like companies, but he worked for this one company, and he designed this model of a truck. I don't remember what it was or what the model was, but apparently, someone stole it and took it for their own. So he could have, you know, made some money off that, but he did not, alas. And here we are today. Here we are, still hustling, and tonight we're doing meth. Yeah, we are, aren't we? Nicole, tell, no, us, not. tell um, us about your first experience with meth. My first experience with meth was um, watching it on Breaking Bad. And that's about it. That's about my only experience with meth. So tonight we are drinking Breaking Bad Blue Margaritas. Mm. Oh, is that tequila? Of course it's, a it's margarita. tequila. It's a oh margarita. No, it's actually good. No, this is the, the perfect amount of tequila. Ugh. I like it a lot. So it is um, blue curacao, triple sec, um, tequila, and lime juice, and a sugar cube. All right. So continuing. So 
surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. But tonight there actually are a surprise. We're continuing with our 12 shots of Christmas and... (laughs) Um, somehow the bottles did not make it into the box of uh, shots so I truly do not know what we're drinking tonight so you're gonna have to give me a flavor profile and I'll be able to tell you so I can sing my song but you did buy them so you can probably figure them out I mean let's talk about my short term memory for a second it's pretty much non-existent did y'all at least clean these out yes yeah All right. you going first hold on I don't know. Um, <laughs> I fucking hate this segment. Yeah. It's my favorite. I can't wait till this Christmas is over. Christmas sucks, man. This is we only have one more episode See, to record here's my together. Christmas is bullshit. It's a bunch of materialism. I get really sad. Bullshit. I'll return your presents. Wait, wait until I sing the song. But let me first say that I get really sad. John, hey. uh- <laughs> I get really sad around Christmas time because I feel like it's. Did I already say this? I feel like it's more romantic than Valentine's Day and like I'm just by myself and I'm not trying to be throw a pity party I'm just saying like I love Christmas for like the family aspect and like just there's just a good feeling but it's also sad for me and that's why we drink I mean I guess I used to feel that way too when I was single so I get it I don't feel that way at all on the seventh shot of Christmas John picked from the tree it smells like pool water (laughs) chlorine Oh, fuck. Pearl blueberry vodka. Yes. <laughs> On the eighth shot of Christmas, Nicole picked from the tree. I think that might be another Crown Royal Apple. Crown Royal Apple. <laughs> Jen, you, you seem like you do not like this anymore. <laughs> uh... On the ninth shot of Christmas, I pick from the tree. Jen drank from the bottle. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that was. Okay, let's get started. All right, tonight's story. Well, so the hint was speed freak. Well, you kind of made the hint meth. Meth. The and hint. then you said speed freak speed would freak be better. And meth, yeah. So what, what? But speed and meth are not the same things, are they? Yes, they are. Really? Is it just a slang? No, it's just a slang term. It's like you know, when you go buy crack, you can also say, "Hey, do you got crank?" They they know, like the guy in the the yellow parka knows that you're buying crack. If you say crank or dope or, you know, I thought dope was weed. Or nuggets. Yeah, I thought dope was weed too. No, dope could be anything. Y'all need to dope is just drugs. Yeah, yo, you got some dope. Where are we going? Who are we killing, Nicole? Meth. Um. Well, feel... actually, meth kills a lot of people on its own. I know, it... but there's there's a couple places where it's like prevalent, isn't it? I know it's prevalent in like um, Cape Cod and stuff like that. There's a big meth problem. Um, I thought it was heroin. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's whatever they can get their damn all right, hands all on. All right. Well, Breaking Bad. Was in New was it New Mexico or Arizona? New Mexico. All right, I'm gonna say we're going to New Mexico tonight solely for the fact that we're drinking Breaking Bad cocktails, and I think there is a serial killer who is lacing his meth with like cyanide or something like that and killing people. All right, Jen, go ahead. Canada. Mm, good guess. They don't do meth in Canada. Sure, they do. You sure you don't want to change your answer, Jen? Canada. Don't trick. Yeah. Don't <laughs> fall for that shit. It's 
Tonight's episode is for one of our Talgo's primos who thinks I have an aversion to doing her episodes. Oh, Kara. I saw that. And you were like, damn, Kara. Did you change your story just because she said that? Like, were you going to do something else? No. Yes, I did <laughs> because it made me upset. Oh, well, Kara... Nicely played. Nicely played, Kara. Nice reverse <laughs> psychology. It's one that I've wanted to do for a long time anyway. Honestly, it's a Monday, and I was feeling kind of blah, so I needed a pick-me-up, so I thought a good meth story would be right up my alley for a Monday, so we're doing a meth story. All right, we're going to November 13th, 1998. 1998 was the year that you told the girl last oh. night. <laughs> yeah, all right. So we went to get ice cream last night, and the final charge came out to $19.98. And I looked at the girl who was, like, young as shit, and I was like, oh, that's the year I was born. And she looked at me like I was old as dirt. And I said, oh, okay, I bet that's when you were born. And she goes, no, I was born four years after that. In 2002. In 2002. So I was like, whoa, that blew my mind. I was like, whoa, you don't even know what the Y2K bug is? That's the first thing I thought of, the Y2K bug. And she looked at me like, the what? She's like, take your receipt and get out of here, fucking grandpa. Uh, <laughs> she literally said that. No, I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> I was, And then it like really dawned on me. I was like, holy shit, she doesn't even know what Y2K is. That was a big ass scare, man. We thought the whole nuclear warheads were going to blow up. I know. I remember all these things. There still exists a general state of either denial, complacency, or even apathy about both the reality and the potential effects of Y2K. I mean, a girl that young, if you say 9-11, she doesn't know what that is. She was actually born after 9-11, yeah. So, you know, it's the same, like... We don't know what the fuck like D Day is and and Vietnam War. Like, right, well, D Day is shit. actually the day that the troops stormed the beaches in Normandy. Well, I know that, but I'm saying like we don't. In the Vietnam that. War, was a conflict that happened oh, in Vietnam. Was, what was the day? What day was D Day? It was November fifth, nineteen forty four. No, nineteen forty five. See, you don't know it either. No, it was. But you know when forty five. But you know six, nineteen forty five. No, that's uh, May. D-Day's in June. June 6, 1945. June 6, 1945. Yes. I don't know why I said November. Holy shit. I'm leaving all that in there. It's June 6, 1945. Okay, so she knows the history, but she didn't live through it. Like, we actually have the same with us. Like, we don't know. Memory of where we were when 9 11. Because we can't connect to it. It's just like them old timers at the VA. We learn about it, but we don't know it. Exactly. Like we we're always gonna know what nine eleven is, and we're gonna tell our snot nosed grandkids all about it. And they'll be like, "Whatever, dude," you know, whatever they say in fifty years from now. No cap. Eat my shorts, grandpa, or whatever the fuck. We're going November thirteenth, nineteen ninety eight. It was a Friday, the thirteenth. Thirteenth. Damn, Nicole, you're. It was slow just tonight. the Friday the thirteenth. This past Friday in nineteen ninety nine. This girl that we're talking about, and I cannot pronounce her last name, Cindy Vander Heiden. Pretty sure that's how you spell it. She was 25 years old. I'm gonna show you a picture of her right now. If where you go. are we going? Oh, I didn't tell you where we're going. No. <laughs> Shit. 
We're going to the very industrious town of Linden, California. Mm. And um, we're actually going into the Central Valley. What what do you know about that, Nicole? It's basically the agricultural spot of the U.S. Artichokes. The part where wine country is? But isn't that really... No, it's it's more like um, just staple crops. It's like 40% of... Oranges. 40% 40% Almonds. of the uh, produce that we consume comes from around this area. Huh. So Romaine lettuce with E. coli. Okay, so here's where we're going right here. Smack dab in the vagina of California. So like kind of close to Sacramento. Shout out to all you Californians and shout out to all you truck drivers because a lot of truck drivers do meth. So I'm dedicating <laughs> this to you guys. <laughs> Not that you guys do math. Not that our newest Taco Supremo <laughs> does math or anything like that, but you know. All right, we're going to Linden, California, November 13, 1998. It was a Friday, the 13th. 13th. Okay. <laughs> Cindy Vander was 25 in 1999. Okay. All right. Go to where, Nicole, to see these pictures? Talkmurder.com. All right. Talkmurder.com. See these pictures. That's Cindy Vander right there. All right. I mean, she looked wholesome and nice. Shoulder length, curly, scrunchy hair. Bangs. She's blonde. Uh, she looks, I don't know if she's a natural she, she blonde. She looked 25-ish. She looks younger than 25, I think. No, I'd say she's early 30s. Would you say just by looking at... Young. Would you say just by looking at this picture right here, she was a heavy meth user? No. no. Well, she was, I don't know if she was a heavy meth user, but she was into meth. Oh, she dabbled, huh? She dabbled, yeah. Her father actually owned a bar that's not there anymore called the Linden Inn Bar. Okay, so this is a small rural town. Mm -hmm. Not much to do, but, you know, besides meth, obviously. Her father owned this bar, the Linden Inn Bar, and the mother and the father and Cindy all worked in this bar. Now, she didn't work there for, she actually stopped working there. For a while, mm-hmm. because just like a lot of people in the 90s, especially in certain towns, rural towns, they get addicted to meth because meth became a huge thing. Okay. So she actually, she went from drinking in the bar and stuff like that, and then she started doing other drugs, marijuana, stuff like that, and then she went to meth. Just, you know, the natural progression. All right. Now, she actually hits... Rock bottom in 1997, and that's when her parents kind of lost trust in her and not only lost trust, but didn't trust her at all. Because if you're a meth addict, you're still in your mom's, you know, bracelet that her great, great, great grandma gave to her to buy some fucking meth. Right. Was that the definition of rock bottom? Stealing her grandmother's necklace? Or did um, she I don't know what hospital? her rock bottom is, but I know. You know when it was. I know. I wouldn't trust a meth head. I thought the definition of rock bottom was when the rocks were at the bottom of a pit. I'm talking about drugs, Jim. Drugs. Oh, so is the definition me. of rock bottom is when you'll do anything it takes to get the rock. Or, yeah. no, I thought I think rock bottom is when, like, you're at the lowest point and that's your turning point. No, you can't go any lower. Yeah. Because there's rock on the bottom. It's self-explanatory. Yeah, I know. But usually when you hit rock bottom, it means, like... Yes, there's have, no there's no lower to go, so that means thing you, you I know what get rock better. bottom means. I was trying to make a pun. You guys have obviously never been addicted to methamphetamine. Correct. Okay. Now she actually hits rock bottom in nineteen ninety seven and she is at her worst and this meth addiction has got her 
just like it does everyone. You can't escape it. And her parents completely lose trust in her. They throw her out the house, which is what I would do, obviously, if she's stealing all your stuff, your spoons and your yeah. knives to buy hits of meth. Yeah, that, that ain't good. But she actually turns her life around in late 1998. She actually pulls herself out of the rut, the rock bottom, and she starts crawling her way back up to the top, you know, going to methadone clinics and everything like that. I looked up a little bit about meth. You know, meth used to be a, a prescription drug. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fucking For nuts? what? For anxiety and sleep. <laughs> but if it's... Doesn't it get you up? Yeah, but I guess it also helps you sleep. I don't know. She started earning the trust back from her family around 1998. She gets gets a job as a computer technician, so she's going back to school and stuff like that. She's a recent graduate of high school. The family actually lets her live back in the family home, even though it was rocky at first. You know, they make it work, and she actually starts doing really good. She does... Good enough to buy her own car, like with her own finances. She got a job, not working at the bar anymore, but at that computer tech place. She buys her own car, and she's doing good from all accounts. What do you think is going to happen to her? She's going to get murdered. Abducted. By aliens? (laughs) What's that one documentary we were watching? Like, this guy, this guy was like, oh, I get abducted by aliens like 10 times a year, and there's this alien female that has sex with me and then I told my wife that I was cheating on her with this alien creature. something that you put on at lunchtime. And then then his wife like refused to be interviewed on camera. (laughs) She's like, this guy. I'm surprised the wife was still with him. I'd be like, who the fuck are you having sex with if you're not having sex with an alien? That's not cheating though. Yes, it is. With an alien? They don't even have. Oh, I'm sorry. Is Is not cheating if it's a different species. <laughs> Wait, no. um, what the fuck? Okay, should I be concerned uh, about the goats that you're hanging out with, or the dogs? Yeah. Go ahead, read that. She spent a lot of time with my parents. She really didn't go out on dates that much. Her relaxing time was sunbathing or just hanging out with her cat and her nieces," said Cindy's sister Kim. Yeah, so that's uh, her sister and one more, if you will. She was real happy, and she was really happy with the work, and the people really liked her at work, and she had big plans on just going right along, said Cindy's father, John Vanderheiden. All right, so November 13, 1998, it's karaoke night at the bar, at the Linden Inn bar, the one that her dad owns. She actually invites her father, but since he's got to wake up uh, early in the morning and do stuff around the workplace and all that stuff, he refuses to go. It's just a normal Friday night karaoke. Now, so she goes along. There was a really good crowd that night. She's, you know, she's drinking a little bit. She's just having fun with a friend. And there's these two guys there that she knows from growing up, kind of not really friends, but acquaintances, if you will. These two guys, Wesley Wesley Shermatine, Wesley Shermatine is one of them. And Lauren Herzog. These are the two barflies that she meets. Now, Lauren is a guy. His It's spelled L-O-R-E-N. Lauren okay. Herzog. Yep. Okay. Now, these two men had a plan. And I'm going to go into their complete history in a second. But they had a plan the night before they ended up at the Linden Inn bar 
that night. They've been smoking meth all night, like they always do. You know, typical Friday night, at least in this house. <laughs> Go to talkmore.com to see the picture of the two men. Lauren Herzog was the more attractive one. He had the long hair, the tattoos, kind of easygoing guy, you know. And the other guy, his friend, Wes Shermat, Shermatine, he was the not-so-good-looking one. But he was the one that would offer meth to the women. So here's how it would work. Lauren would approach a girl in the bar mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, Man signature bun. pickup lines, you know, stroke his wavy hair back, you know, woo him a little bit. Yeah. And then once he gets some talking, that's when Shermatai and his best friend will come up and be like, hey, you guys want to party? I got some crank, you know. Then that's their plan, and hopefully they would get laid. Okay, that's like their plan. Let me show you these guys right quick. Nicole, this is Lauren L-O-R-E-N Herzog. Ew. <laughs> what the fuck? He was the good-looking one? Yeah, he's a good-looking one. Dax Shepard with a beard and a mullet. He's got a pretty good defined jawline. Okay, line. okay. If he shaved <laughs> and cut his hair, he looks like I could kind No, I, yeah, I could kind of see like a Chris Hemsworth. If I'm like really blurring my eyes, are you on meth? Yeah, I mean, like I said, cut his hair, dye his hair blonde, and shave his face wouldn't be terrible. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> but um, the mullet and the uh, goatee got to go. All right, let me show oh. you his friend. And uh, he was the good looking yeah. one. <laughs> He's the good looking one. I mean, he did have a strong jawline. I'll give him that, but I, it's hard to see. Here's past. the not so good oh, one. Oh God! Oh, oh. <laughs> he's the one. <laughs> this is this is Wesley Shermantine. He's the one that would I come over. Just throw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> after the women were wooed a little bit. No, no, he is someone's son. Hey, you guys want to do some meth? Uh, you guys want to party? That is quite the porn stash. If he came up to me, I'm pretty sure I would automatically assume that he was on meth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh. Okay, so he he had a porn stash, and he was disheveled with bags under his eyes, and just he just looked gross. Now that's the type of person that approaches me usually. Both of these Aww. men were married. Both of these men are married and have kids. Keep that in mind. Oh God! And actually, wait. So they're going to bars trying to get laid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, they're not really trying to get laid. I'm gonna tell you what they're doing, but. They're talking and all this stuff. Now, she has to go. Cindy Cindy has to go to work early in the morning. But they ask her, hey, you know, we're having fun drinking and doing shots of tequila and all this stuff. But do you want to party? Do you want to really party? Now, she's been sober as far as meth for, you know, going on, I don't know, a little over a year. But that the addiction is real. You know, she really wants to do some meth when she sees it, right? I mean, once an addict, always an addict, right? I don't know if that's the saying. They all three leave the bar and they go to the local cemetery and they all start doing meth right there. Cemetery, the hot spot? (laughs) People are dying to get in there. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. They just went. I mean, because there's no cops that are going to come around there. It's like an old cemetery. A common thing. Oh no! I mean, for methods, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Methods like, don't I really care where they cemeteries do it. are a hot spot to do drugs. Is what I was alluding. I mean, I guess they're private. I don't know. They go to the cemetery 
And that's when Shermantine usually makes his move because he's got to wait until the girl's either completely wasted or completely high on meth or all of the above to actually get some, right? So he starts pressuring her into sexual acts, all right? So he's pretty much assaulting them and raping them. Yeah, he's assaulting and raping. She actually refused, and that, as you'll see, you don't refuse this guy because he gets really pissed off. He starts punching her in the face, boom, 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 with both of his hands, right? Now, they're a little bit outside the car. They're not in the car. They're kind of like leaning on top of the car. He then pulls out a knife and puts it to her throat. Now, at this point, he's demanding oral sex, okay? She's screaming, all this stuff, but they're all high on meth. Then he rapes her while the friend is watching. Then he can't let her live because, I mean, they know the dad. They know her dad and everything. They know the bar owner and everything. So they have to get rid of the body. They have to kill her. So he cuts her throat. This is Lauren Herzog telling of the event right here in his perspective. I want you to keep in mind that both of these guys blamed all these murders on each other, right? So do we feel like we have a good sense of who did, committed what? Theories vary, mm-hmm. but this is what you got right here. Cindy's been missing for, Cindy Van Wright has been missing for quite for quite some time. And you've spoken with Detective Shuffle, you've spoken with a few other people and have provided several different statements. Some of which we know to be true and some of it we know not to be true. She I want to go back to her car. She said that several times, you know. We're, we're going that way. I'm still on that seat and say Okay, let me try to translate what this dude's saying. Basically, he's saying he's in the backseat of the car and Wes, his friend, is getting rejected and all this stuff. And she's like, I want to go back to my car, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to understand this guy. He started telling him to do stuff, you know, and it's kind of a back and forth argument, kind of thing. And I can do stuff as in sexual acts, I guess that's what you thought. And he's getting wilder and more and wound up more and more. I, I told him at one point, go kill her, man. Take her back to her car. When I got out of the car, I started backing up on top of him. Okay, so what he said right there is West was on top of her holding holding her down. He slits her throat. And then did you hear what he said? West says as the throat is slit, he says, let it come naturally. Or excuse me. He says, let it go naturally. That's what he tells huh. Cindy after he slit her throat. Just listen one more time. On top of him. You see, let, let her go naturally. So he's, Wes is actually telling Cindy after he just slit her throat, just let it, let it go naturally. Basically go into the light, you know, die or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of fucked up. Let go. Yeah. Let go naturally, whatever. So those are the fucking. So he's saying it's this guy. Is the other guy saying it was the other one? Yeah, the, the, I'm, we're talking about Tweedledee and Tweedledum tonight. All right, this is... <laughs> the body was then disposed and later recovered mixed with bones of multiple other victims in the Calvareras County decommissioned mines. Around this area we're going tonight, there's a lot of old mines, you know, from that thing in California. What was it called? 
The gold rush? The gold rush. Nicole, wait, are you, you so, huh? no, or wait, are you saying that they were buried with other victims of yeah, the yeah, yeah. The body was disposed and later recovered in the mines with multiple other victims in the Calvaris County demission, decommissioned mines. Now, the two best friends, this and the other guy, Herzog and Wesley, after they disposed the body, they returned home to their wives and kids like nothing has happened. A friend actually followed Cindy that night and claimed that she actually made it to the parents' driveway, but then she actually drives her car. She didn't actually go into the house. She should have because she had work. Instead, she drove, She drives her car to the cemetery. That, that was a meeting point so they can all do meth. Okay. When the dad, John Vanderheiden, wakes up, he thinks that his daughter is already at work because her car is not there. So he didn't actually realize she was missing until later that night. And this is what um, he said. I looked out and Cindy's car was gone. And so I thought she already went to work, said John Vanderheiden. So he actually spots her car in at the cemetery. And that's when they file a missing person report. Then obviously he's the bar owner. He finds out who she was talking with. And he knows right then and there that it's bad, bad because yeah. these guys are trouble. Herzog used to come into the bar, said Linden Inn owner and father of the Speed Freak Killer's final victim, Kim Vanderheiden. He was a big guy with long hair and tattoos and wore cut-off shirts. And, I mean, he tried to act like a big guy, bad guy, and the girls seemed to have thought he was attractive. I thought he looked like a punk. He seemed to get along with everybody. How long, how long have these guys been at it doing this type of thing? I'm assuming this is not the only... Murder since there were other bodies that she was found with. There's plenty of other bodies. Maybe this would give you a good idea if you want to read this. The men offered meth for free or at a discounted price to women. And if the women accepted, one or both of the men would demand sex after they got all after they all got high. If the woman refused their advances, she would be murdered and thrown in a well. Ooh. So that's basically what we're talking about tonight. This this story, as I said, is for Kara. This is the speed free killers. There's two of them. They're two best friends. They went on a 15-year meth-fueled murdering spree and um. killed a lot of people. Okay. How many people do you think they killed? 37. 13. This is Pat Withrow, the San Joaquin County Sheriff. There have been numbers up to uh, the number of 100 bodies out there that, that could be out there still. What? So those families de deserve closure, and it's our job to do it. A hundred bodies buried out there in the mines. They're still finding bodies this day. There's probably, the, the, the count is somewhere between 20 that they know for sure, and the private detectives and uh, investigators surmise is about 70, but now they're thinking it's over 100. Holy shit. This is a 15-year killing spree that has been fueled by meth and psychopathy. I don't know. All right. Lauren Joseph Herzog, he was born December 8th, 1965 from Central Valley in a town of Linden. Okay. The That's same what, as a yeah. Linden bar. California. He was handsome, unless you're Nicole and she doesn't think. That's <laughs> a, he had a good California vibe going on, like the surfer vibe. I mean... I mean, like, he could have done things to his appearance to be more attractive. And then, again, he's also on meth, so he probably doesn't look as good as he could. Well, it's probably true. Now, he was handsome. That's a quote from a 
a newspaper, and never without a date. Their words, not mine. Long hair attracted many women, started a family during the 1980s, and that time he actually started tattooing himself. He had a few. One said, made and fueled by hate and restrained by reality. And the what? other one's... And w- That's a lot to tattoo on yourself. <laughs> I wonder how long that took him. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Like, also, where was it? Like, that's a long sentence on to his put leg. somewhere. And the other but tattoo on it his... It, like, spins his... The other spin. tattoo on his leg said, made the devil do it. You know, like, devil made me do it. But his is made the devil do it. Wow, that's dumb. Yeah, he's dumb. <laughs> he they, has a lot of pull. These are yeah. just... Yeah. District Attorney Thomas Testa think their relationship played on each other's strengths rather than being totally dominated by Shermantine. In terms of how the duo picked up their female victims, Lauren was the good-looking rock and roller. He opened the door, Testa said. Wes was the one who got them and killed them. Wait, so how did they meet? I'm, I'm going to tell you oh. that right now. I, I okay. didn't know if I just missed that part. <laughs> what, Sorry. All right, Wesley Howard Shermantine. Well, you said that correctly the first time. He was actually born on February 3rd. <laughs> I put... February 34th. <laughs> what the fuck? He was bo- also known as March 5th. <laughs> he was born on February 24th, 1966. Now, he was actually born in an upper class family. The paper said upper middle class, but it's actually, he's was born into a pretty, uh, pretty wealthy, at least for us, lifestyle. His father was a very influential and very prominent building contractor in the Central Valley. They meet because they go to the same high school. They become best friends in kindergarten. Oh. So these guys were in kindergarten as best friends. Now, there's a dynamic that is here that is very important to see, and, and you'll see in a minute, and you'll see later in this episode more of it, but... Wesley Shermatine is the bully, the aggressive, the the demanding one. And then Herzog, the best friend, is polar opposite. He's quiet, shy, pushed around type of thing. So it's a very dynamic relationship. Hey guys, Nicole from Talk Murder to Me here. As you know, I love puzzles and games almost as much as I like true crime. When I want to challenge my brain, my go-to game is Best Fiends. It's a game you can play right on your phone without using the internet and your data, which is perfect for traveling or when I'm somewhere where the service is terrible. So Best Fiends is honestly a lifesaver. I love having something to do to actively pass the time, and it's so much better than scrolling through social media over and over. I just made it to level 30, and I only started playing a few days ago. It's engaging and a casual game that anyone can play, but is made for adults. It's colorful, entertaining, and I'm totally obsessed. Jen, John, and I are trying to get to the new levels as fast as we can. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Shermantine is a bully. He bullies big. He bullies weaker kids on the bus. He just uses his weight to just push down little kids. And he even beat up his own friend, 
Herzog, Lauren Herzog, in kindergarten. And ever since that, he says, quote, I've been scared of him for so long. There's only one person in the world that scares me, and that's him. And that was after he beat him up really bad in kindergarten. Wow, he said that He said that in kindergarten? Yeah. No, I think th- that is he what he said. He got beat up in kindergarten. So here's, here's him talking. Have you ever tried to fight him yourself? Yeah, when he was in kindergarten. But how about now? Do you think you could take him? No. But he was in on it. That's she kind of a cop out. Bargaining with him more or less. Was that? I said, but he was in on it. It's not like he was. Yeah. All he needed to do was not partake if he wasn't interested in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here's what I'm going to lay out tonight because this is the. Every case, every killer has a very unique thing, and the unique thing with this is the dynamic. The most of the interviews come from Herzog right here, and he's playing the battered, you know, oh, I had to do it because he had this power over me. You know, he made me do it. I didn't want to do it type of thing. Ever since kindergarten, he used to beat me up. He used to bully me, and he always had this power over me, as you'll hear. Okay, so he actually blames it all on his friend saying that he was, you know, if he didn't do it, his friend would kill him type of thing. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? But yeah, you're right. He was definitely in on it. Dolly Shermatine, the sister, says, quote, we were spoiled growing up. Now they had a game room, pool room, darts, video games, new clothes, allowances. And Shermantine, Wesley Shermantine actually got a brand new car at 16, like a, a nice convertible car. They were they grew up in a nice lavish lifestyle. They had everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, his dad was basically rich, and they got everything they wanted. Now Herzog wasn't as wealthy, but he was still middle class. What did um, Sherman's dad do? He was a building contractor for the oh. Central Valley, and very prominent one. Made a lot, a lot of money. Had mm-hmm. a lot of jobs, contracting jobs, stuff like that. The reason I'm telling you all this is because when these killers actually get caught, these speed speed freak killers, the psychologists come in and try to figure out why they went on this 15 year killing spree. Ooh, question. Yeah, and you don't have to know like their exact IQ, but like, were they intelligent? people um i've watched the entire <laughs> i watched the entire interrogation from lauren herzog and that guy is dumb as rocks well, he is about as dumb as i've ever seen i mean just complete stupid was and the maybe other guy the smarter i doubt it i mean they're both on meth they, i mean how <laughs> smart can you be you know i mean well i just think it's interesting like one had a stronger influence over the other well so they killed po- at least 20, maybe 100. Well, just let me get on it. Okay. Um, the father actually spent plenty of time with him because psychologists, you know, they look at a serial killer and it's like, oh, was he neglected as a kid? Not in this case because the father spent a lot of time with both because they're best friends. The father would take them hunting, fishing. They would explore the mines. And this plays into where they buried all the bodies because they know all the good spots, right? And was Lauren's parents involved in their lives or just, um, no, there's a interview with Lauren's dad and he seems more strict and it seems like he didn't like Wes at all, but there wasn't as much involvement as I could see. Hmm. They basically, they would spend all the time at Wes's mm-hmm. house to get the game room. And yeah, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now many experts say that these men, cause they loved hunting animals. They loved guns. 
a lot. They got pictures, thousands of pictures of them as young yet lads with guns and killing mm-hmm. deer and all that stuff. Many experts will say that the two men twisted hunting animals into humans, what they called the ultimate kill. It's like the um, that short story, The Most Dangerous Game. Oh, yeah. I remember you know? that story. I read that in high school. Yeah. In sociology class. Was I, that the one with the lottery? Um, they had, I think like, that was a different numbers. one. That's The Hunger Games. No. No, it was a short story. Yes, oh, that's but... The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. Maybe. That is The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. I think you're you know, right. And then, like, they pull the number and then yeah. they get killed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But The Most Dangerous Game, I remember that one, mm-hmm. too. I think they're known as family that pretty much does what they want to do. If you got in their way, I think they probably dealt with you in a way that wasn't to walk away or turn the other cheek, said Cliff Johnson, a former sergeant with the Stockton Police Department who worked the case. Okay, so he's talking mainly about Wes Shermantine's family. The father and the mother were both alcoholics, and especially the mothers we see in a lot of cases. She was just brutal. Now, when Wes was growing up, they were abused. All the the family was abused. Even though they were rich, they were still abused. They would actually make Wes dance around the room while the mother and father were completely drunk and shooting at his feet, like with real guns, like boom, boom, shooting at his feet, like in the fucking cartoons, right? Dance. Pew, pew. And if he moved, then he would have to stand there longer. Now, the mother was the worst. And, you know, as I said, the father was a contractor. And if... Someone didn't pay the bill on time or someone, you know, tried to cheat them over. The mother would get involved. And at one point, the mother actually goes to one of the neighbor's homes that owed them, the family, money and refused to pay. She goes over there with a bulldozer and bulldozes his house while the guy's inside of it. The actual bulldozer cart was like two inches away from decapitating the guy in the room. Now, this is a mother, the mother of the Shermantines, riding a bulldozer into someone's living quarters in their house. Oh, my God. I mean, just think about that. That's how fucking crazy the mother is. I feel like that would happen if I was driving a bulldozer, but not intentionally. (laughs) 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 Like, like if if you let me behind the wheel of a bulldozer, you may get your house knocked into. But, you know, I wouldn't intentionally knock your house down. Right, right. Yeah. So guess, I mean, that's jail time, right? Apparently not. The guy didn't even file a police report. Because everyone is scared as hell of the Shermantines. They were basically the mafia. Not mafia, mafia, but he... They were just a big, powerful name. Powerful powerful name, yeah. They had money, and they were just ruthless. Completely ruthless. And no one would even file a police report. Because if you file a police report, that guy's going to come kill you and make it look like an accident. And everyone knew knew that. So it's easy to see where... This asshole gets his craziness from, right? It seems that Wesley was the sort of domineering, aggressive, dominant figure in their relationship growing up, said former girlfriend of Herzog and sister of the duo's last murder victim, Cindy Vanderheiden. They introduced themselves as they introduced themselves as brothers. They ran like brothers, they acted like brothers, and the protection aspect in everything, they'd lie for each other like like brothers, continued Cindy Vanderheiden. Vander Hyden's sister. Yeah, so let me clarify. Cindy Vander Hyden's sister is Kimberly. She actually had an affair with 
Herzog, Lauren Herzog, when he was married. Okay. Gotcha. So the sister, the little before. sister is going out to do meth with the guy that her own sister has was been screwing, with. you know. But Wesley was the one who assaulted her, supposedly. Yes, supposedly. Now, the interrogations are coming from one guy. The other guy, Shermantine, basically just shut up and didn't say anything. Let's go junior high school right now. Both of these guys are in junior high. This is in the early 1980s, 1982, I believe. This is Halloween night. Wes Shermantine's sister, Dolly, goes out with Wes and Lauren, and they're all drinking and partying. This is on Halloween night. They're 16 years old. They all end up going back to Wes's house and, like, spend time in their game room to play pool and stuff like that. And when everyone's sleeping, the door opens and Dolly's in the bed sleeping, and Lauren, the the friend that stayed over, you know, the best friend that stayed over, Mm -hmm. comes in there and holds her down and rapes her. Like, violently, really bad rape. Now, the next day, she tells her entire family about the incident, and they didn't even care at all. They didn't—it's not like they didn't believe her. It's like they don't care about their family members, their sons and daughters, right? Wow. They just don't give a shit. So Dolly goes and tells the brother, her brother, Wes Shermantine— And he doesn't care at all. And in fact, a few weeks later, he comes in there, her own brother, and rapes her (gasps) own sister. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's how fucked up this family is. That's awful. When I was in junior high, we all had to come back, and Lauren had spent the night at our house, said Dolly Shermantine, about the Halloween slumber party. And he snuck into my room that night when I was asleep, and he held me down and raped me. So in the like, how can you trust anyone if something like that happens to you? Not necessarily just for, you know, family members, but I I, I imagine that would make make it even worse. Oh, yeah. You know, totally. So in the Shermantine family, this is most of the people think that Shermantine was the main killer in all these 100. Right. And maybe that's the case. And Herzog is just, you know, the tag alone type of puppy dog type of thing. And it kind of makes sense. As I'll, as I'll tell you, that there was some power that this guy had over him, right? But that's pretty much what everyone thought. But in the Shermantine family, it wasn't really physical abuse. There was physical abuse, but it was mostly emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, you're worthless, you're stupid, all this stuff, just being battered, battered, battered by their drunken mother. As they get older, they start becoming alcoholics and drug abusers and thugs, okay? They would always be in this Linden Inn bar. That's like their home away from home. They would always stay in there and just drink all night and then do meth. I mean, they were just meth heads, right? A lot of the people knew that they were killing people because if you take meth, which I've never taken meth, but I was looking up, you know, about meth, you become really talkative, right? Hmm. And confident. So you tell everyone about your killing sprees. Well, it's an upper. And they did. They told everyone Hmm. about their killing sprees, but no one really believed them. You know what I'm saying? Even though they were literally killing a lot of people. Well, they probably, I mean, the fact that they may have been known drug users probably discredited their stories to a lot of people. So that's probably... Like, oh, those guys, they're just meth heads. They That's a good anyone, point. You know? Yeah. Well, oh, how about the victims themselves? So if there were so many victims that they found, like, were they mostly, like, ran- like 
prostitutes or yeah, random exactly, people. Yeah. So Mostly prostitutes, yeah. They flew under the radar. Yeah. The, in fact, um, what got them caught is killing close to home, which gets a lot of killers so caught. It was because they were killed Cindy. Yeah, exactly. Was, Cindy, yeah, that was like the direct tie. There was another girl that I might have time to talk about. Um, her name was Chevelle, and she that was in 1985 when she goes missing. They couldn't really pin it on them yet, but they kind of knew that they were involved. Another reason they got away for so long is because they were they were thrill killers. Okay, so yeah, they would go rape prostitutes and dump them down mines and and all this stuff and have their seminal fluid everywhere. But as a as a thrill killer, they would just love getting high on meth and going up to someone sleeping in their car and blowing their head off with a shotgun. What? And you can't really test you can't really you know link them to that, right? All right, so the duo loved meth and they also loved to gamble a lot. Gambling in California was legal at the time, but they would rather go to Lake Tahoe or Nevada, okay? They would do meth the entire time down. So they're driving their car, doing meth, drinking hard liquor, driving to a casino to spend all of their money hoping they're going to get rich. I mean, these this is how smart these guys are, right? I mean, it sounds they sound like they're making some good life decisions to me, but <laughs> what do I know? Of course, they never got rich or won anything, but they did run out of meth and money. So once they blow all their money at the casino, and now they don't even have enough money to buy their favorite drug, meth, then their tempers are flaring. September 1984. Now, this is the first known murder I'm going to tell you about. And I couldn't find the murder in any newspaper so the information is kind of scarce with this one. But in September 1984, they were driving back to San Joaquin County. They noticed a car stopped along the Highway 88. Now, this is in Hope Valley. And there's a a man in the car. His name is Henry Howell. He's of Santa Clara. Now, from what I found and from the interviews that were done, I, I believe he was a Native American because they kept calling him an Indian and stuff like that. But I couldn't really find much more information about that. But we do know that he was pulled over to the side of the road because he was sleeping off an intoxication, right? He didn't want to drive because he was drunk. So, you know, doing the right thing seems to get you killed. Did you know that if you are under the influence and you're just sitting in your car, um, even if you're not moving, like if you have your key in the ignition, you could technically get a... DUI because you're technically operating the hmm. vehicle. So if you're ever taking a nap and you like to sleep off the drunk, do not put the key in the ignition. If you want heat, get a blanket. They're pissed off because they lost all their money like usual. They have no meth. There's this guy sitting on the side of the road sleeping in his car. Now, they most likely were hoping it was a prostitute in the john. They were basically going to kill the guy and then rape the prostitute and kill her too. That's basically how they were going to do things. Mm-hmm. But it was just this one guy, this 41-year-old guy named Henley Howell, sleeping, you know, intoxicated. Sherman Tyne walks up. Now, they have a shotgun and taps on the glass. Beep, 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 beep. Or click, click, click. He taps on the glass, and the guy's like, oh, what's going on? He probably thinks it's a cop. Wes says, are you okay, buddy? You know, what's going on, buddy? Are you okay? And then immediately puts a shotgun right to his face and pulls the trigger. 
And the guy is like, it's a shotgun. So it's like brain is all over the car. And they just leave. Like, there was no reason to kill the guy. They just did it to do it. They're thrill killers. So this is the interview. He calls him the Indian dude. I remember. Yeah, we did that. Which one? The one with the Indian dude. You were there? What happened on that one? What killed that guy? Why are you saying you did it? I don't know. Tell me. So I can fit his story and your story. Who are we going to believe? We come down the road and he seen some dude laying on the side of the road, kind of like you know, out of his car or something, or hitchhiking or something. We turn around and Wes robbed him and killed him, too. The dude was so drunk that the dude would have never known nothing. Anyway, so Wes, he had to kill that dude. Kill somebody for 45 bucks. Uh, in his 1999 confession to San Joaquin County hom- homicide detectives, Herzog referred to the crime as the murder of that Indian dude, referring to Howell, who is American Indian. We were coming down the road, and he sees some dude fucking lying on the road, on the side of the road, said Herzog. Wes robs him and kills him, too. The dude was so drunk that the dude would have never fucking known nothing anyways. Wes didn't have to kill that dude. This is showing you that Wes Shermantine actually wears the pants in this relationship. Cold blooded, son. Yes, sir. It has no emotions. You understand the physical, but it kills me. I don't know. You guys understand why I've been so scared of him so long? I understand. I've been scared of him. I told my wife that the only one person in the world scared me. Time to lock his ass up. Oh, he sure has to have been time a long time ago. Yeah. Wish it would have been done a long time ago. I don't know. Like I told you before, it starts now, we're going to be putting him away. Yeah, so he's definitely scared of him. Here's basically how this stuff unravels. In 1999, they arrest both of them, okay, and they pressure Lauren here to, you know, come clean and and even blame it all on Wes, as long as they figure out what happened and where all the bodies are. And that's basically what he does. But then Wes... You know, he doesn't really blame it on Lauren, but if you watch his interview, he's like, yeah, me and my buddy, you know, my homeboy type of thing. Like, we did this. Like, we, 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 we. And in Lauren's case, this interview is like, he, 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 he made me do this. You know what I'm saying? They talk about him having some power over Lauren. If we take Wes to jail and charge him with murder, will that change anything for you? And be honest with me. If it won't, then just say no. But yes or no, if if we are successful in taking him to jail and charging him with murder, will that change anything for you as far as Wes's power over you? Or will it go with him wherever he goes? Will he always have the power to reach out and keep you silent? Well, give, it, give it some thought, okay? That hold that Wes has over you that we talked about earlier, right? She said, I'm not asking you to tell me what it is. Okay. I mean, even though the curiosity, all right, is killing me. However, are you worried about it from a legal stand, stand but that you would get in trouble with the law, that he would snitch you off because you would get in trouble? Are you worried about that, or are you worried about Wes 
doing something to you or your family. What worries you the most, Lauren? All of it. Equally? Nah. <laughs> And that's how the media portrayed it. And all the detectives was like, this guy is going along with it. Right. I hope mm -hmm. you guys will think that because a lot of people, a lot of detectives think that this guy was just as active. I mean, he was there with all the murders, hundred murders, buried right. all the bodies and his seminal fluid was in all oh, the prostitutes. Oh, oh well, yeah, he was yeah. raping the victims. So even if he didn't kill them, he was, raping them and then disposing their bodies and an accomplice to murder exactly right. and the reason they actually got this guy or the reason they actually brought these guys in there is because they actually found blood in shermantine's trunk of his car from cindy because he let his car payments relapse and the car got towed so they just looked in it after it was towed and they found the blood that matched anyway let me get on hmm. with this now, as far as an M.O. goes, very disorganized. They, they wouldn't plan anything out. They would just go shoot someone at random and either leave or they would duct a prostitute or whatever, murder them and dump them in the mine shafts. Okay, they murdered for pleasure, so they were thrill killers and usually while on methamphetamine. But I'm going to quickly go over this murder. This may be the second murder, but no one really knows. This is November 27th. 1984 so this is a few years before the cindy murder this is two months after the howell murder remember i told you the indian that was sleeping on the in his car yeah. on the side of the road this is two months after which means they had a good cooling off period as uh, the fbi calls it to make uh -huh. them you know serial killers do a cooling off period now november 27 1984 san joaquin police department they're called to a rural highway outside of stockton now they're responding to a report of two people passed out in the car in the road, on the road. Now, this is in the area where prostitutes would bring their johns, you know, because it's private. Both of the victims, Howard King, a 35-year-old, and Paul Raymond Cavanaugh, 31, were both dead with gunshot wounds. And there was no clues. There was no way they could connect these guys with the Speed Freak killers because, I mean— they shot them and then booked it, right? And they didn't even know these guys to start with. Mm -hmm. So they just did that to just for a thrill to get adrenaline, kill two people for adrenaline. Now, this is actually where they made their first mistake because the tire impressions were left in the dirt and later that linked to West Shermantine's truck. So no one knows for a fact how many were killed, but they were both tried for four murders, first-degree murders. Okay, so... Tell me, what do you think the sentencings are? Hopefully, one count of life in prison per murder. How many people were in the car? You said two, I think, right? I think there was. I'm going to go. I mean, you, like I said, you I told you, I mean, we already know what happened. Okay. Now it's your version. I mean, are you happy about this? No way. Were you happy about it then? No. During September of 1985, do you know of any girls or anyone that West Sherman Tyne had killed during that period of time? That must be the one. And how do you know that? Because I can't This is uh, Chevy Wheeler, Chevelle Wheeler. Okay. He's talking about. Well, my. 
you, I can't is this an assumption? Are you just assuming he killed her, or were you there, or did he tell you about it? No, there's a girl he killed her. And how do you know that? I well, I was with him. Hmm. That's what you need to tell me. So, like, he's... He's, he's just saying he's there. Always there, but yet never he doing. never does it. Right. Right? Except he's we know he's sexually assaulting. Exactly. So it's like, come on. But this is the girl. So basically she was she was uh she actually was playing hooky from school and she got into drugs and stuff like that, but she was actually coming back out of the rut. You know, she was only 16. She was getting good grades and stuff like that, but she just wanted to skip school and hang out with these two losers. I wonder why he's the one that's talking and why the other guy is saying silent. I'm going to tell you that in a minute. Okay. I don't even remember how he picked her up or whatever. I just remember that he killed the girl and stabbed her to death. I don't know where he left her. Stabbed her to death. Did you try to stop it? Sorry, you need to talk. No. Did she ask you to help him? Did, did Wes ask you to help him take care of the body afterwards? What happened to the body? I don't know. First time that you saw Wes. Oh, that's good. No, it's horseshit. Yeah, it is all horseshit. Anyway. Um, you asked a really good question. Why um, Wes Shermantine isn't really talking? And this is him right here in his interrogation. Just a little clip. Congratulations. Now that you're engaged, it's time to plan your party. Why am I getting these fucking There's lots to do. Try now. You're responsible. You know what? You know, there's not, there's, you know what I'm saying? Oh my God, look at this dude. Cindy's his parents. I would have been gone a long time ago. They do not look like they're the same age. I know. Somebody threatening you? No? See, he's just very like... You know, I didn't. It's very do it. abrasive. Yeah, yeah. it's very different personality dynamics. Now, you know how the other guy kind of looks like I've decided not this one, but the the uh, uh, quote Lauren. unquote attractive one. Yeah, you remember that um, show Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Mm-hmm. He kind of looked like Ty, but with long hair. No, he looks like Dax Shepard with long hair. Yeah, I could see that too. Now, this is why I believe that Wes isn't really talking because this guy looks like John C. Riley. Uh, <laughs> Because he's, I mean, he's in prison, and if you want to get information like, you know, where's my daughter buried, you got to pay up. Sheriff's investigators are once again searching this area near the former Shermantine property. They are looking for more human remains believed to be victims of Lauren Herzog and Wes Shermantine. His cadaver dog was getting hits all over the places from one mountaintop to another mountaintop. Eric Hammond allowed search dogs on his property. He said bounty hunter Leonard Padilla and his team got several hits here. Padilla says he received a new letter from Shermantine saying there are more victims out here. It reads, I will make a map to both as soon as our deal is kept. I have proven I am telling the truth all the way. Now it's your turn. He is asking Padilla to pay his restitution of $18,000 plus money on his books. They don't need to pay him for something that they can find easy. They're right on the... So Wes is in prison on death row. He's still on death row and in wow. San Quentin. And this guy... Padilla, who who you just heard, he was the a bounty hunter, and basically Wes reached out to him and was like, "If you give me thirty grand, I'll tell you where some bodies are." Mm. Like money for bodies type of scheme going on here. I don't know if that's how it works in prison. Like, what are you going to use that money for? Like the for the canteen, a lot <laughs> yeah, of ramen, yeah, <laughs> <of> ramen, <laughs> yeah. 
This hey, you got that you got that spicy spicy chicken noodle? Oh yeah. Oh. I the, I actually do enjoy ramen like the, from the package. This is yeah. a this like is a it. letter that he wrote to the record, which is the newspaper there. Scott Smith or any reporter. Yeah. <laughs> now he refers Please someone just tell my story. He's got a <laughs> shitty handwriting font and he refers to himself in the third person. That's not the worst handwriting. Sherman Tine. See, this good, is him. Actually. It looks like a feminine. more fe- yeah feminine. Yeah. It looks like he's running and writing because the the T's are like you know going. That in the means wind. something though. I w- to mix like he's a fucking psychopath. Maybe. Well, um, I don't remember. There is some handwriting analysis stuff. I'm gonna put all these letters on talkmer.com for you guys to see. But a few things to point out here. I hold the key to information to where Herzog's victims are. Okay, this is Wesley Shermantine, the one that. Everyone hasn't think, really been talking. Exactly. So he's you, he's blaming all this on Herzog at this point. In the case of Chevy Wheeler, Chevy Wheeler was supposedly a writing accident. It was Herzog who took her writing at Shermantine. Like he refers to himself in the fucking third person. I think that's the property at Shermantine yeah, yeah. Cabin Ranch. Yeah, so it. that's where she was buried. I say now it will have to be a hell of a, in one word, H-E-L-L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell of a deal That's to have someone. me shack up with another male in my cell. For I've lived alone for the last 10 years under earplugs in my own world. I can do it another 10, it says. So he's That's actually. It's just like an interesting PS to put. Like, yeah, and it's like and twice it as long as the fucking yeah. real letter. <laughs> Herzog got 78 years in Ooh. prison. Okay, which is good, right? Yeah, can't get out. And the other guy is on death row. He's still on death row. In March 2012, Shermantine wrote a letter to a local television station in Sacramento where he claims he can lead investigators to more of Herzog's victims and the third man involved in the murders. He claimed that there are as many as 72 victims. But he said until Leonard Padilla pays him the $33,000 that he said he would pay, he would not give the information up. I really want to believe in Leonard, but I have these doubts he'll come through, which is a shame because I've been holding up the best for last. Which is fucked up, isn't it? Also, it's interesting that he is saying Herzog's victims. And it's also interesting that he is clearly saying that he's withholding information from police. And the also, best for last, like yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, but he's trying to get a. Good, he's trying yeah, to get I money. understand that, but like, still, in thirty three thousand dollars, in the scheme of things, I mean, that's someone's salary, you know. But at the same time, it's not that. Like, it's not. Yeah, how much ramen can you buy for thirty? Well, he said probably eight, eight, He said supply. he had eighteen thousand dollars in restitution, which I'm not sure what that was for. I don't know. Like, who do you pay restitution to? I don't Victims? know, but family but that but still like that is such an odd amount yeah like it's even less like if he had eighteen thousand dollars in restitution to pay then that's like only fifteen thousand dollars for him maybe he just calculated that's all he needs for ramen all i gotta say is thank god for our justice system and how it works really well thank god it's not canada i i'm sensing some uh, first of all, I did not know there's that many computers in Lassen County because I've had thousands of emails. This is the Sheriff Warren. This is about um, Herzog. But the, but the underlying tone of a lot of the emails is how can we allow this to happen? And I could go into some of the things that have caused this to happen, such as what they had they'd said there. Uh, we did not know about this, not even in the slightest. We get compared 
Now to Modoc County, we get compared to San Joaquin, we get compared to Tehama County, and the biggest difference, in fact, the only difference really, is that they had a lot of lead time. I don't know if that's why we didn't have lead time. Okay, here's basically what he's talking about, and this is kind of hard to explain, but I'm going to try my best. We believe in you. This is what he's talking about right here, if you want to read this, Nicole. Herzog was at the beginning of a 78-year prison sentence for three murder convictions when appeals court in 2004 ruled investigators illegally coerced his confession. Ooh. Without the confession, prosecutors said they were left little evidence and had no choice but to offer Herzog a deal to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter for the killing of Cindy Vander Heiden, 25. His 78 prison sentence was reduced to 14 years. (gasps) And he was released on parole in September 2010 after serving 11 years. With credit for time served dating back to his 1999 arrest and time off for good behavior, the prison system was unable to hold him longer. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh, I feel so defeated now. (laughs) Oh. Wow. Why was that sheriff so excited then? No, he wasn't. He was saying, because that guy, here's how it worked. In his last three years of parole, he has to be in prison, but he gets moved to this sheriff's town, and the sheriff didn't know. This is like his little county, and there were protests everywhere because the serial killer's moving in town. And on his last— he's still in prison, you mean? Well, on his parole— Right. Okay, he's out of prison and he's on kind of his the terms of his agreement. I don't think he's ever been done like this is he's out of prison, but he has a trailer that is in prison. So he's got his own trailer inside the prison fence. I'm sorry. And he can leave and go as he pleases out of the prison and everything else. As long as he comes back to the trailer, he can go into the bars, kill people, do meth, whatever, because he's basically free, but he's got to live on the prison for a few years. What? It's fucking nuts, This is quite the arrangement. So it's like, (laughs) he's like, he doesn't even have to pay rent or anything. He's literally like... He's got like a day pass. Yeah. Maybe I could commit a crime at like Disney or something and they can set me up with one of those deals where I have to live on the premises. I mean, honestly, though, when you think about it, like, in order to do that, you'd probably have to sell oh. your soul to the corporation, and I'm not about to do that. Hey, read that. I want to put it in. Disney later. can't be that bad to sell your soul to, right? I mean, there are I mean, worse they, I've heard there are some ties to the Illuminati, but <laughs> we're not going to go right, into right, that. Right? Sherman Tyne, he's on death row. Right. Trying to avoid a death penalty if it right. ever comes back to California. So what he starts doing is you saw that letter. He starts saying... Herzog's playing ground and and this is where Herzog did this and that and the other. Now when he's coming out and he's saying, "Hey, I'm about to let you guys know all these bodies where all these bodies are positioned." Mm-hmm. He's giving prosecutors a reason to arrest Herzog for different murders. Exactly. So that it's not double jeopardy. Exactly. Bingo. Which did you ever watch that movie? Uh, no, I don't think I did. It was with um Ashley Judd. That was actually a really good movie. I've heard of it, and I, I meant to watch it, but I just have never seen it. Just I add w- it to the list of the other movies I've never we seen. Were, I watched it, like, fairly recently. I think it was on, like, Amazon Prime recently. You know what I think? It I'm was gonna, good. You know what I think I'm going to order? And I'm pretty sure we've had this conversation before, but I'm going to order that scratch-off movie thing. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's like a, like a list of movies and you scratch them. Oh, off. cool. I Don't like that idea. That sounds cool. That is a cool idea. We, that and we should bring back the movie box. 
Sherman Tynes on death row still sitting there, still giving bodies out for money. Like he's going to be doing that till the day he dies, right? And justice was not served in this case, or was it? Speed freak <gasps> killer, apparent suicide and state issued trailer. They didn't really investigate it too much, <laughs> but he hung himself in his trailer on the prison. <laughs> Air so quote. Be- so before he actually like got out. So no. is this one the sheriff is getting all excited about this or no? No, this was he moved. He just seemed like happy. No, no, he wasn't speech. happy. He was oh, pissed. Okay. If you watch the whole thing, oh, okay. that he got all those thousands of... Because they moved to this little county. They didn't even tell the sheriff they're moving this serial killer who's a free man. Yeah, he's got to live at the prison. But, but he that's can only going to and... last for so long, Exactly. Too. So he moves down here, and literally a year before he's finally free to go wherever the fuck he wants, he kills himself. This is Lauren Herzog in his... Uh in his trailer, his state-issued trailer, by hanging himself. Perhaps that's why that dude wanted $33,000. You know what? I, I don't think he killed himself because the dad actually, the dad of Cindy, um, and I have a good quote in here somewhere, said he wants to actually see the body because this guy won't kill himself because he's too much of a coward. He said something to those words. But it makes You're sense. If the guards killed him, I mean, justice kind of is served because he would have got out and killed a lot more people, done meth, and just been a shithead. Or just the fact that he could have walked free when he clearly he was had going a to walk part free in so many murders. That's what I'm saying. I think one of the guards took him out because you remember. But that's what I'm saying is that maybe that's yeah. what Sherman Tyne wanted that money for is to pay somebody to go kill him. Well, no, no. Why would he want to kill him? Because why should Herzog walk free when he has to go spend oh, his life yeah, in prison? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about I'd that. I'd be pissed if that yeah. was, if like, yeah, if that was my point. murder accomplice. I'd be like, what the fuck? You get but to go free, that, asshole? That shows you the, the dynamic personalities because, I mean, they were friends since kindergarten. I would think it was Sherman Tyne then. And Sherman Tyne like is such it. a fucking evil person that he would kill his childhood friend. I yeah. mean, and he would. He was pissed. That's why he was going to release all those bodies That's my because theory. he didn't want his friend to be out, which is kind of fucking crazy. So that's, I mean, that's basically how that story ends. Now, um, hmm. there's been controversy over the sheriff's department in Linden because people want them to keep digging, you know, because there's a lot more bodies out there. I mean, there are probably literally 100 bodies because wow. a 15 year period, you think they just stopped yeah. killing people? And they, they are thrill killers. So this is them digging. The scene has really turned into what looks more like an archaeological dig. They're, Jesus they Christ. They pulled uh, earth uh, from about 35 feet down in the ground in this old well. It's a century-old well from the Look 1800s. Look at that shit. It looks like wow. something Jesus or Moses would walk into. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> going through. The digging has been suspended now while they, they sift Holy through the shit. dirt. And they found fragments of skulls. Bones, small and large, um, human teeth. Of course, what goes along with that, they found human shoes, uh, a woman's purse, a ring, which appears to be engraved with initials in it. Um, They haven't identified who these remains belong to. Yeah, so they're still finding bodies, man. That was Scott Smith. He was the reporter for the record covering the case. But um, let me read you what uh, Kara said. Kara. Let me read you what Kara said. Um, She says, 
I'm not sure why this story hasn't been covered by more podcasters because these guys possibly killed up to 72 victims during their meth-fueled crime spree. And I don't know either. I mean, I I knew about this case last year, and I don't know why I didn't do it, really. I mean, it, it definitely intrigued me, but I don't know why. Uh, Wesley Shermantine and Lauren Herzog would be hopped up on speed then, and then kidnap, torture, and murder their victims and as was found out years later, dropped their remains and belongings down a well on the property of one of their parents. One particular victim was Cindy Vanderheiden, and I remember her pictures up on billboards for years with her family searching for any answers about what happened to her. Mm. This happened in and around my hometown of Lodi, California. Oh, wow. Lodi. Lodi, California. Years later, a bounty hunter. Now, this is the guy, the, um, oh, I forgot his name, yeah. the, the guy that was paying yep. Shermantine, mm, pa- or uh, would, Paladine yeah. or something. Years later, a bounty hunter type guy made a deal with the surviving member of the murderous duo to confess to where the bodies were buried. I had vivid nightmares at the time about the recovery of the victims from the well. Ooh. I've never mm. forgotten it. That'd be really scary if that happened and that sort of thing happened here. You yeah. Know, like, that's a shit ton of victims. Yeah. And buried all over the place. I mean, I guess it's kind of like Pee Wee Gaskins a little bit, but that's much, feels much closer to home. So it, there is, there's no active theories that are going against, I mean, obviously there are theories, but there's no one looking into the fact that Herzog was a suicide versus homicide. <laughs> Case I didn't closed. see anywhere. Case closed. <laughs> I love it, man. Case closed. I didn't see anywhere. I mean, it's not like an Epstein thing where it's like, oh, fuck, we got to find out. It's just like, oh, he killed himself. I mean, well, it makes sense that he would kill himself because either that or he'd be in prison, but I don't think he killed himself. He's too much of a, yeah. a wuss. I, I don't think he coward. would if he was about to get out. But he's living on prison in the prison grounds. The guards are checking in on him. Oh, my God. He's killed himself. I mean, you watch, You remember watching The Wire where that one main character, the drug dealer, got found with a rope around his neck, and they yep. thought he hung himself, yep. but he really, it was, you yep. know, really, he got murdered. But anyway, that's the Speed Freak Killer case. Um, I hope you guys like that. Yeah. That was crazy. Thank you, Kara, for requesting that one. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like the story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our speed freak, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talk host Primo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it dedicated to you on Talk Murder Me Podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time. Jesse, let's cook. When we were walking in the parade in the Somerville Christmas Parade, um, uh, a couple, a couple of friends and I, uh, <laughs> a couple of friends and I, we were walking. It was after the parade ended, but this guy walked up to us in a trench coat and he was he started. Oh to God! Say, he started to say Where something is this to going? us, <laughs> and I thought he was going to ask us if we wanted to buy any watches, but he didn't. He just said that you know, have a merry Christmas. <laughs> he just so opened, it was not as exciting. <laughs> he you opened just, like, his trench for coat for his erect penis. Uh, I was also wondering <laughs> if it was going there. Yes. How you like this, Jen? <laughs> and then he runs off. <laughs> and that guy looked remarkably similar to me. Okay, so... No relation.